Good morning and welcome to the Fishcast. A, uh, this is not an emergency Fishcast or anything. This is like a, uh, I feel like when major college football transactions happen, we should jump in with a podcast right away. So, of course, meet Corey Long. You know me. Of course, you know the uh, the man behind the plan, Charles Fishbine. How you doing, Fish? I'm doing good. Uh, one thing, Corey, I, my my wife learned a word in Sweden this weekend, Swedish, and now she's using it every two seconds with me. So, like, you know, my life sucks. Oh, oh yeah. This has <laughs> been a miserable weekend, I'm sure. <laughs> Outside of watching probably another horrible youth football game, you now had to listen to one word, Swede, Angela. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the good thing about the youth league football thing is my son's really not part of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you can just really mock the other kids for being horrible and not really worry about it too much. Yes, he, that's a good thing. He made his play on special teams and he made a tackle on defense. And I'm like, all right, he yeah. did his job. You're like, hey, my kid did his job. <laughs> Everybody else here is slacking. All right. Oh, man. Oh, geez. I should have oh. not made front of Westland Hialeah all those years in a row with you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, jeez. <laughs> He used to send me out of that game against Port Charlotte every year for just like, like I look forward to experience this one week. And, you know, I the last time I did it, it was, I think, like 37 to nothing. I called you like, like 631 left in the first quarter. It was 37 to nothing. Yeah, you're like, cut, you're right? I'm like, yeah, Fish, this is the worst Westland Island team I've seen. Yeah, of you, all the three of them, I saw this one by far is the worst. Yeah, you saw them. They, they, they got a running clock at the water break. I mean, like, they didn't even get to break yeah, a sweat. Exactly. <laughs> it got, those games are getting so bad. The Port Charlotte side, it was senior night, so they have a pretty big crowd. But at a certain point, the minute Wesley would get that first down, that whole, their whole crowd would start applauding them. They were, like, really excited for them. They were like, hey, we want to give a shout out to anybody that wants to get on the field for the second half and relive their high school days. You got yeah, a chance I to. I, I think I saw the old Wesley code like recruiting some band members from Port Charlotte after like, the bigger, like, bigger, like, baritone guy. <laughs> you, got, you want to play some line? You know? So, oh, man. Anyway, uh, big news this week. The big news is that. Scott Frost uh, got fired three games in um, this season. Really, uh, a, a terrible run, a terrible run into Brad. There's no nice way to put it. He's off. It was off. Um, and I'm gonna sit here and actually punch up the uh, the damage here in a second. Uh, but I he was three and nine last year, I believe. Started the season one and two, so he's four and eleven in your last fifteen. His final game as head coach at Nebraska will be a 45-42 loss to Georgia Southern, who the uh, FS1 broadcast team, I don't know who they were that did this game, the guy, defined, the guy described Clay Helton as a flashy hire for Georgia Southern. <laughs> like a flash, a splash hire, Clay Helton. He loses the splashy hire, Clay Helton. Yeah. I wonder if he feels that way in about a month when they, when they <laughs> exactly. lose to like when they lose to Savannah State or Valdosta State. Yeah. So the damage for Frost, uh, 
Of course, uh, he his head coaching uh, journey starts in 2016. He goes six and seven with UCF in his first year, thirteen and zero in his second year, leading the Knights to a uh, finish where they were six in the AP poll, uh, seven in the coaches poll. And he goes to Nebraska, four and eight in 2018. A, a landmark, a high point of five and seven in 2019, three and five in the COVID year, three and nine last year, one and two, 16 and 31. And, and frankly, he got more time than any of his predecessors based on who he was. Like there was no, I didn't really understand keeping him after last season. Like the idea that they were bringing him back, I felt like was just prolonging something they were going to have to do in September. And probably put it, you know, and, and it, to me, when you do that, I think you put your program, you kind of push back, you, you, you kind of extend the uh, rebuild another year because now you didn't have that off season with a new regime. You got to go with an intern regime and you got to decide if you're going to keep that intern or go with a new guy. I mean, it's just, it's a mess. But Trevor Alberts, the AD came in late in the college football season last Um he had said, and I'm just paraphrasing, that he really wanted to, he felt like he needed to do as much as he could to help Scott Frost. So part of helping Scott Frost was making him take a pay cut uh, <laughs> and making him hire, like, an entirely new offensive staff. Um, three games into it, you lose the Georgia Southern, the horrible loss to Northwestern out in Ireland. They, they barely beat North Dakota. It, it wasn't going to work. And um, they fired him. And they have to pay him $15 million in a buyout. They would have only had to pay him seven and a half. Dana, they waited till October 1st. But, and I'm sure Trev Alberts mentioned that. The booster said, hey, we'll come up with another seven and a half million if you get him out tomorrow. And he's like, all right, fine. Don't have to ask me twice. And he fired him. What yeah. are your thoughts on Scott Frost? Scott Frost, Scott Frost regime in Nebraska. Why didn't it work, Charles? Number one, I think, and this was a major mistake by Scott Frost, is he brought everybody from UCF. And there's a big difference. We've already seen it from the group of five level to up to the power five level of coaches, administrators, people that work in those football offices. Just because something worked at one school, especially at a lower level, does not mean you're going to recreate that magic. What happened at UCF, was a perfect storm. He already had talent there. Uh, and I thought he did a very good job at UCF. And it's shocking, honestly, to me that he was this bad. If you had told me, listen, he struggled uh, and he was a 500 coach, but just how many games he lost that were under seven points once again this weekend. Like, you watched that game the other night. And it was his whole career at Nebraska. Like, you watched them against Georgia Southern, and I watched the end of that game, and you're sitting there going, they're not going to win this on that final drive. Like, you're just sitting there going, they won't make the play to switch this around. And it, it just – it never seemed like he caught traction. I think he brought way too many coaches of his and buddies of his uh, from UCF and former guys. And you, you know you need somebody – you know, we talked about this – with James Coley before when he was at FSU the first time that when you have a coach that's very strong will you need a guy that's in that room 
that will disagree or or be the bad cop once in a while. And I don't think Scott Frost had that ever at Nebraska. He just had a bunch of yes guys, and the results are there. You know, they just they never got it going. I thought they really never had a – they tried to recruit Florida, and they brought in guys that really weren't real good fits from Florida to Nebraska. And we've talked about this. You could recruit – like, they could have recruited – the guy from Lake Gibson last year that went to Utah, that kid would have been a really good fit at Nebraska because he could handle living away from home, living in a small town, living in a town that is a little different than what he's used to. They would, he was like bringing in kids from Miami Northwestern, trying to make them fit at like Omaha in Omaha or Lincoln or wherever, you know, um, university of Nebraska is. And it's not a good fit. And, and he couldn't create that same magic at Nebraska. And you can't lose that many close games. That's coaching. At the end of the day, you lose that many games, uh, you know, less than seven points. That I think he was like, like it was five and twenty-two in one score game. That's now, that's just nuts. No luck. I mean, like just just by accident, you're going to win forty percent of your one score. Five and twenty-two. That's just terrible. I mean, I don't think that's possible. At like. Well, I, I don't want to say rice because it's not possible to win there, but it's, you know, it's hard to do that even at Nebraska. And, you know, a lot of people sit there, Corey, and they say, oh, you can't win at Nebraska. You can't win at Nebraska. Well, one of the coaches that I think they should go after Lance Leipold is 2-0 at Kansas. All right. They haven't won two games combined in the last 10 years. So don't give me this crap. You can't. I'm so tired of people saying you can't win at a program. You can win at programs. You are right. that's that's gonna kind of bring us to our second part when we get there. Let's talk a little bit more about Frost real fast. Uh when you call Frost strong willed, I think you're you know you're being quite kind. The, the better he's been described as just horribly arrogant. I'm not gonna I'm not I don't know him. I know you've met him a few times. I don't know him at all. He's I mean, not a I nice guy. I can yeah, tell you that. Yeah. He, not a, he never really endears himself to people, but it's one of endearing himself to use by winning. And when he doesn't win, the, the bad qualities really show up a little higher. Where does Scott Frost go from here? I don't think he can get another head coaching job right away, but he's a young guy and he does have some success on his resume. Whether and I, I like I said, the, U, the UCF thing is a little overplayed. There was a lot, of, he came to a team that went 0-11, but there was talent on that team. Georgia O'Leary just didn't care. Like, you know, he didn't, he, didn't, he didn't play like the Griffin twins for whatever reason. They were both like NFL kids. He just didn't want to play them. So, you know, all Scott Frost, a lot of what Scott Frost did was just look at the talent that was there and say, hey, let's get these guys out on the field. But, you know, he did, did some good things. Um, you know, you, you mentioned he brought pretty much everything from UCF to Nebraska. Except for Mackenzie Milton, the one guy he should have brought, yeah. he didn't bring. And uh, that might have that might have at least got him some of those close wins. But anyway, where does Scott Frost head right now? Uh, Nick Saban's <laughs> Nick Saban in Alabama. And, I mean, either go there, maybe he goes to um, Texas and goes under, and, and Sarkeesian kind of takes the Alabama plan of, taking former head coaches and putting them off the field. I could see him going back out maybe to Oregon. I mean, uh, UCLA and coaching on Chip Kelly staff, possibly. Um, I don't know how that would work, but you know what? Life goes in circles. 
you end up a lot of times back where you started. Uh, I think he has options. He's still a young guy. I don't think he forgot how to coach. And for his case, I hope he learned a lot because you, you look at one decision he made. He kept Adrian Martinez for like three years when the kid couldn't win at Nebraska. And that was part of his problem. He, he wasn't willing to adapt or change to make something maybe change for the good. And I think that's what cost him even early on. We talk about it. He made so many mistakes. And hopefully for his case, he learns from that. Uh, I think he'll get another opportunity. He did win at UCF and he was successful. I mean, you see a lot of these guys. Somebody will take a flyer on him at some point, even if it's a Sun Belt or Conference USA or America Conference coach. Somebody will take a flyer on him. Heck, like we said, Clay Helton did way did pretty bad. Splashy hire Clay Helton, you mean? Yeah, what? <laughs> splashy hire yeah, Clay Helton? Splashy hire. Splash hire Clay Helton? Uh, yes. Come on. Um, I got I got one for you. And, it, and and this might be a situation where both guys can need each other. Texas A&M. I think I think Jimbo needs another offensive mind in there. And I also think Frost needs the atmosphere of playing for a demanding head coach like Jimbo that will kind of that might, you know, might even beat him down a little bit and get, you know, humble him a little bit and kind of raise him back up. You know, you get that staff. I know Jim, I think DJ Durkin's on that. So it's a rough, you know, that's a that is that's a staff of a lot of guys that will scream at you. And I think he might need that right now. And I, I don't know, you know, Saban is obviously that's where you know, coaches go to rehab themselves. So that makes them – but I, I think AM could be kind of an interesting fit for him too in going to a place where, you know, he's going to have – he's going to have an opportunity to have an opinion, but that opinion better be right, <laughs> you know? Yep. And I think he can get back out to recruiting, which he's good at. I think he's a good recruiter. And I think he needs to be in a spot where he can get back out to recruiting. I don't know that he was able to really handle – recruiting like he wanted to in Nebraska. He wasn't able to get the kids he wanted because he couldn't get the kids that he had at UCF. So that's my opinion there on Scott Frost. Now, the Nebraska job. Here's what I'm going to say about the Nebraska job. You had, in the past 20 years, 20 or so years, we'll say 25 years, I guess, since you had Frank Solich, who goes 58-19 there. He gets fired because they think he's leading the program to mediocrity. He basically goes to Ohio and does the same thing. I think he was like 35 games over 500 over 15 seasons or whatever he was there in Ohio. They named a field after him. They named a field on the football field after him. They were so excited by a coach having success there. Frank Solich did a decent job. He wasn't Tom Osborne, but also so he refused to go down the path that Osborne won. He wasn't prop 48ing. He wasn't bringing in kids that will drag their ex-girlfriends down a flight of stairs and then playing. Like he really wanted to just build a program that was good and competitive without it being a renegade program, which is what Tom Osborne had. I don't care. I know he's doctor. Everybody loves him. He's a whatever. He ran a renegade program. If F, if SMU got the death penalty. Nebraska should have, you know, they should have really gotten a lethal injection. That's how bad they were. But so, and then, you know, you go through some guys, Bill Callahan, that doesn't work. This guy, Bo Pelini comes in 
He goes 40 games over 500. He's nine and if you look at his record, it's either nine and four or ten and four every year for seven seasons. Now, Bo Bellini was a raging lunatic. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt about it, but he wasn't wrong. He was mad that their fans were just being ridiculous when he was trying to say, hey, it's a lot harder to win here than it was in the 80s because I don't have, I can't do all this stuff that Tom Osborne did. Twitter exists now. I can't just have kids dragging, beating their ex-girlfriends up all the time and then playing them. And they, of course, they fired him because they wanted to be better than, he was 67 and 27 at Nebraska. But that wasn't good enough for him. Now, they want to be that team. They want to be a 9-10 win team. But I I, just, I don't know. Like, the names, some of the names that they're mentioning, and you you hit on one in Lance Lee Pold, and that, we can get to that one. But if I'm Mark Stoops, am I going to Nebraska? No. Not leaving Kentucky. If I'm, oh, God, who else did they mention? If I'm Matt Campbell, am I going to Nebraska? Probably not. Um... I mean, who else? I mean, I'm, the, looking, uh, I'm looking at Dave, I'm, Dave Kloss and Dave Dorn. I, if I I'm Dave Dorn, I'm not going. I think I'm Dave. Would, I think Dave would take the job if he was offered it. Um, I, listen, Jim Leonard's on there. I Jim believe, Leonard, I would be, be interesting. I would I'd like. Be, I'd like Jim Leonard, and 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 you know, I'm not a big fan of defensive coaches getting hired as head coaches. But I will say this. All right, Nebraska has a seal. I, I get in this argument with people, just like with Penn State and people think Franklin's not a good coach, which is just absolutely ludicrous. All right. Oh, he doesn't win enough. Coach, schools have ceilings. Can you exceed that ceiling like uh, Clawson has done at Wake Forest? Yes, it is possible to win 10 games. But when I say your program has a ceiling and Nebraska has a ceiling, they are an eight to nine. You know, they should be a nine-win team consistently. That's what they are—a nine-win team. They're Iowa. Basically. Yeah, they're nine and three with a better offense. With a better offense, but much listen, better offense. But I sit there and say, listen, if Wisconsin can win, all right, Wisconsin's yeah. become Nebraska. They have a big old line. They run the ball. They don't pass it that much. They have a pretty good defense. They keep games close. Um, Nebraska could get back to that. I, what was the last time? And I think Nebraska has a pretty good running back right now, but what was the last time they had a 220 pound bruising back that could just wear teams out? You look at the kid that is at Pittsburgh right now, um, yeah. and playing running back, the Carlo Henderson kid, they need somebody like that. They got a. They're not a spread team. Yeah. Nebraska has to understand. Yes. Modern football tells us that you have to, but why can't they be more? BYU than they are yeah. all the other like you they don't have an identity when they need to run and line up and smack people in the mouth they can't do it anymore and that's a problem so whoever comes in has to have that as part of their identity is the ability to run the ball and be effective running the ball and I think you can win there I, I truly believe you could get to that nine win mark can they once every five to seven years, be, do like what Michigan State did, do like Washington did, and yes, make the playoffs possibly? Sure. But you have to have realistic expectations for that program that, that you're going to be a nine-win team every year, and you got to be okay with that because the alternate 
is what you've seen the last five years, which has just been a train wreck. Like, you can't tell me you can't win six games at Nebraska. I don't care. I mean, heck, uh, Campbell, Matt Campbell is at Iowa State. There may not be a harder job in the country to win at than Iowa State. And he's winning, and he's winning consistently. I think Campbell's a very good possibility. But the one concern is I think that he he hasn't left yet, and there's got to be a reason why. Uh, you could sit there and tell me, oh, well, he's got a cushy job at Iowa State. Listen, you go two or three years in a row with a five and seven record at Iowa State, those fans will turn on you too. They did it with the prior coach that won a lot there too. So um, I think they got some good options. It's a good year to have an opening because all the big jobs open, you know, are covered, you know, covered for last year. You know, you got. Florida's out of the way. You know, they're not hiring a new coach. Um, Texas isn't hiring a new coach. USC's not hiring a good coach. So Nebraska will be one of the better jobs. And you and I think they'll have some good options this year at the end of the year. Yeah. Um, you know, Lance Leipold is a name that's interesting. Uh, I watched I watched a, I watched the fourth about half the fourth quarter and all the overtime at Kansas West Virginia game. And I called you and I said, you know what? This guy, you know, he's already got within, you know, in his second year, he's got Kansas. They look like a college. You know, they look like a D1 college football team. You know how Kansas used to look. I mean, they've got players. They've got kids that can run. They've got competitive kids. They hit a little bit. They, you know, you can tell that he's got something going there. Um, I also like Chris Kleeman. You know, I've always been a big Chris Kleeman. I like both of those guys because they're, they're championship coaches. Uh, Leopold won what he went six or five uh, national titles in, in D3 at Wisconsin Whitewater. Uh, Kleeman won, I think, three in a row at North Dakota four, State. Four FCS national titles he won in North Dakota State. Kleeman won four. Okay. Yeah. So those are guys that, it, you know, they're, they're, in, they're in situations where they're not going to win championships, but they are championship coaches. So I guess you can start that. That's probably where I would start my search. Kansas is one of those two guys. And the one thing is, Corey, they both shown they can win at programs that are not traditional schools. I, I, you know, outside of Snyder, Kansas State has been a disaster, and he's won there. And it's not an easy school to win at is Kansas State. And then you look at what uh, the other coach has done. Um, Leopold has done at Buffalo. I mean, Buffalo is about as far out of the football spectrum as you could get in college football. And he won there. Um, it's it's not an easy school to recruit to, not an easy school to win at. He won at a high level. Uh, he turned that program around. He's won at smaller levels. We talk about it with Pete Shinnick at West Florida. These guys have won with less, less resources, less backing, less of everything. And guys that can win with basically no frill, like they don't get anything extra for winning. Those are the guys you want to take a look at at Nebraska, where they do have the resources. I mean, Nebraska's got money. Um, they can put together a very good coaching staff, I believe, at that program. Uh, I think one of the coaches they do need to keep on staff is the guy they made intern, Mickey Joseph. I think he's a very good coach and a great recruiter. He's, he's, he's a guy that has ties to Louisiana, and they've done a good job down there. I don't believe this is a long-term fix. I think a guy like Kleeman or the guy Leopold could come in and win in year two. 
teams. They possibly could win in year one, get the team a bowl game because they are, they're not, listen. They're not deprived of talent. Yeah. And they're not, they're, they're just not, they're not culture problems where there's a bunch of cultural problems that you hear at these programs. I think Frost is leaving the program in good enough shape that somebody could win year one. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And I really, I would like for Chris Kleeman to, to look at it. I, I think he'd really be a good fit there. I think Lee Paul would be fine too. Buffalo lost the Holy Cross this weekend, by the way. So that's that's how good Lee Paul was. <laughs> you know, so um, but what with Kleeman, I love because I think what helped him out, what helped him get off to a good start at Kansas State from North Dakota State was that he was already familiar with the lay of the land in that, you know, in the Great Plains area, the flyover states. Like, he's he knows the kids are. He's got great relationships with the high schools and those, like, in that that four corners area. So those are kids you can get to Nebraska. You know, those are kids that Nebraska is is, is, is big time to them, a lot of them still. And, they, and they, you know, a lot of them are very good football players. you got a lot of very good football players at Kansas State. You had some great football players at North Dakota State. So, you know, kids that went to the NFL. So I really think, you know, Kleeman would be the guy. If there's a guy out there that I'm like, I hope he takes this job, it'd be Chris Kleeman. I, I'm really a big fan of his. Uh, I also hear Jamie Chadwell and Coastal Carolina. They barely beat Gardner Webb last week. So Jamie Chadwell needs to be on the move. Like that Coastal thing has kind of run its course, I feel like. I don't know that Nebraska is his fit, though. I actually think. I, I don't. I don't think that's a good move for him. I think he's. I think he's Scott Frost all over again. I think you know. Um, if I'm Chad, well, I'd be looking at like going to USF once they get rid of Jeff Scott because he's got kind of a fun offense that kids I think down there would be excited to play in. But you yeah. put him up in a place like Nebraska, it, it's different. You know, it's uh, you know Scott Frost had an offense that I think that was productive that kids like. But it's still Big Ten football. Like, there's still you, – you can't bring but so many gimmicks to Big Ten football because you're still going to line up and pound guys in the mouth. And you got to protect late leagues. Like, the Big Ten is a is a, is a four-quarter – I call it a four-quarter league because every game seems to come down a fourth quarter. So, you got to have the guys that can stand up over time. And that's where he – you know, he had the offenses that could score, but he didn't have the guys that could stand tall over time in the fourth quarter. So I'm really like, if you had to ask me, I think Chris Kleeman is a guy that I'd really like to see take that job. Um, where, who would you like to see take the job? Uh, I, like you said, I think those two top names, I, I'd like to see Leopold just because um, I have a ton of respect to, I look at coaches that win at programs that aren't good. You know, we, we said it, I think, you know, what Shiano did originally at Rutgers the first time through when you're talking programs that are just the players are used to losing the fans are used to losing. And you could go to a program like that, which Buffalo is one of those programs and you could win and win big. He won a conference championship there. It's not like UCF where Scott Frost, was took over like you said for O'Leary and the program had success it just had one bad bad year and the one thing is the schools in the MAC um outside of you know Dino at Syracuse most of the coaches that come out of the MAC have success at that next level you look at what Matt Campbell has done at Iowa State 
you look at what a lot of those coaches are doing at those programs, Corey, um, they, the guys that come from that Mac conference, it's just a different, they're, they're tough coaches. They, they play tough football. They run power football, even though they run spread, their concepts are still power football because they got to play outside a lot of games. You've seen those Tuesday and Wednesday night games at Bowling Green and Toledo and Kent State. <laughs> no, they run power. Yeah. Yeah. And those teams are tough. They're, they got the speed and athleticism of, of like the Southern teams, but they still can line up and punch you in the mouth. And, and Buffalo had that. And you're seeing that now at Kansas. He's brought that same style. And Nebraska needs to get back to being tough. They look like a finesse, soft. They, there's nothing tough about Nebraska. What I watched the other day, when they need a first down on third and one, they can't get it anymore. That was guaranteed. Maybe yeah. they maybe they need to incorporate a fullback or an H back in their offense again. There's nothing wrong with that to have a guy that's 6'1, 240 that you could just hammer for a first down on third and one. They are a soft team. And for them to win, they got to get tougher. Their O line does not look big and physical like it used to be. There's no reason for them not it, why they can't be like a Utah, why they can't be like a Wisconsin. Um they need to go and get big guys. They need to recruit bigger guys. They, they look like they were recruiting small guys to get big. Go get big guys. There's plenty of them in the Midwest. Uh, they could go and recruit um, in Cincinnati. They could go recruit in Ohio, uh, at Nebraska. There's guys that Ohio State's not going to get that are old linemen that they could pull. They could go up into the um, mid-states in, in Michigan and, and Minnesota and pull some offense alignment they just have not done a good job of finding big dudes i mean even their d linemen look small they look they look like they look like a small team like he had the same he was trying to incorporate small and fast at nebraska that's not how they're going to win ball games they're in the big 10 you got to hold up against teams that have big you know michigan's big ohio state's big michigan state's big you know, uh, Minnesota's huge up front on the O-line. Minnesota is massive. Yeah, they're man. massive. Like, <laughs> you know, Penn State's got big guys. You're not going to win week in and week out in the Big Ten running 275-pound D tackles out there. And Nebraska looks small. And uh, that's, you know, they're going to have to improve their strength program, and they're going to have to go recruit bigger guys. I, I believe Leopold and Kleeman uh, can both do that. They, they've proven it. Like we've talked about, you win at the lower levels. Um, I believe Kleeman coached at North Dakota State or something. So he's coached, he's recruited against – yeah, he's recruited against Minnesota. You know, even though they're a one A school, a lot of the kids in Minnesota that aren't division – that aren't, don't go to Minnesota that are Division One quality go to North Dakota State because the program's so respected up there. They'd rather go one A than go to another Division One school. So you could win – there's no question you can win and, and recruit at Nebraska. Uh, you see, listen, if Pat Fitzgerald can win at Northwestern, and I don't want to hear, oh, it's in Chicago. Listen, it's one of the hardest schools to get a kid Ain't into. nobody in Chicago getting into Northwestern. Yeah. They can play ball. Yeah. <laughs> like, come on. Like, it's a very hard school to get into. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I think the key is just having – like like you said, is a guy that just understands recruiting in that area. But for every region in college football, you pretty much have to have a guy that knows like the key region 
in that state. Like the southeast is Florida, you know, and when you get out to the mid, you know, the lower, the lower plains is Texas, Cal. In that, in the, in the, where Nebraska is in the Big Ten, like it used to be Texas. When they were in the Big 12, they had to be strong in Texas. In the Big Ten, they have to be strong in Ohio. So whoever, they got to be really good in Ohio. They've got to get good players in Ohio. And like you said, move over to the Rust Belt. Uh, you go to Pennsylvania, Minnesota, Michigan, all of, but you've got to be good in that area. So the next coach has to be able to know that he can pull players from those areas, players that can compete, players that have size, players that, you know, have have, have that physical mentality. So I'm, uh, I, I do think there can be some winning done in Nebraska. I do think their fans need to chill out the next time. You have a guy that gives you a Bo Pelini type of record. You might want to give him a hug instead of telling him to go to go away. Because as he was, uh, I'm paraphrasing again because he curses a lot. As he said in one of the leaked audio tapes, "We'll see how they do once I'm gone." And Nebraska has been is 35 and 51 since Bo Pelini left. So maybe as much of a raging lunatic as Bo Pelini is, he's also a prophet. And he knew something, and he and and I think Trev Albert does their AD has to be upfront and be honest and say, hey, this is not the job that it was when I was here, and we were playing in the Orange Bowl for national titles every year. It's gotten much tougher. The uh, the you know the college football landscape isn't as forgiving as it once was for the sort of kids that Tom Osborne was bringing was bringing in. So maybe you're like, like their ceiling is eight, nine, 10 wins with, you know, a chance for a special season once every five years, they have to be able to accept that because it's not, because it, it, it's, it's not fair to good coaches that go in there and build a program properly and win games and get to bowls and keep it very competitive for your fan base to say it's not good enough. You're not, you know, you're not Ohio State. You you can't just, you can't, you don't have that brand anymore. There's no question. I mean, we'll say, I'll say it over and over. There's a ceiling to that program, but Nebraska still has a lot of tradition. They yeah. won a lot of ball games. You know what? It's they have wanted. They have one thing, and I'm not a huge transfer portal thing. And there's still JUCO kids. They still have ways to build their team in more than one way. They don't have to land big-time high school players. But you look at a guy like a Richard Young, a running back that uh, came out of uh, Fort Myers, and he's going to Alabama. Nebraska has to find one of those type of kids that yeah. they could just hand the ball to and win ball games. Uh, you know, a Derrick Henry. They, 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 they're out there. There's guys – running backs are out there. You know, Travis Etienne – was not a highly rated kid when he went to Nebraska, I mean, to Clemson. They actually had a five-star running back in the same class who he outperformed. So there are great running backs out there. And you look at you, you look at what Florida State's done with their backfield. If you have a coach that could run the ball and scheme the run well, you could find those guys. They got There are ways to win. They don't need to score 50 a game at Nebraska to win these days. They could still win – winning ball games in the thirties, you know, low, high twenties and, or, you know, low thirties, and they could win with defense. They could, you could go find athletes at the Juco ranks. You could find athletes in the transfer portal 
you could go find guys that love football that still want to go to Nebraska. And listen, they got money. They got money for NIL. They got money from their TV contract. They do play in the Big Ten. And I've always said, outside of Ohio State and maybe Michigan, I don't think a bigger a big conference has more success from top to bottom with their programs winning than you do in the Big Ten. I mean, you look, Indiana's had winning seasons. You've had Northwestern play for the Big Ten championship. Iowa, you've had Michigan State. You've had Ruck, you know, Rutgers makes bowl games. Like, everybody in that conference has a chance. You could go and look. It's You go to the other conferences, Vanderbilt ain't winning a whole lot, you know? uh duke's not winning a whole lot it's the, the the it's tough for the lesser teams i think the big 10 once you get past the top two i don't think the gap between three and 12 is that big you could any team could beat anybody on any given weekend in that conference and you know you even seen a northwestern upset uh, or a purdue upset ohio state it's possible because they recruit to their skill set. They know that they're not going to recruit like Ohio State. So what do they do? They go recruit athletes, fast receivers. They don't worry about the defense. They're like, you know what? We're not going to we're not going to be able to beat Ohio State in a drag out knuckle fight and just try to beat them 20 to 17. We got to score. If they score 50, we're going to score 52. And that's their mentality. And that's why Purdue has a chance in the Big 10. Nebraska needs to find their identity find the players that fit that identity. And I think they could have a lot of success. I agree. I agree 100%. All right. Uh, as we uh, close up this uh, edition, a couple of things, other coaches that are on the hot seat a little bit, Neil Brown, 0-2 at West Virginia, lost the backyard brawl last week, lost at home this week. Really feels like that thing's going, <laughs> that thing is not, not going well is West Virginia kind of a, are they just kind of in no man's land these days? Big 12 school. They're not, you know, Rich Rod won a lot there. The, they, they had some guys that did well, but it just feels like they're kind of a middling 500 program. They, they should have gone to the ACC, their skill set and who they recruit and who they recruit against. Those are the teams that they should have recruited against. Um, I don't understand why, um, that, that they didn't go to the ACC. I, I guess ACC didn't invite them. I don't know. But it just seems like they're a bad fit in that conference. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. What do you – I mean, do you have – do you think Neil Brown can turn around there? No, I think he's done. Yeah. And, and who do you what, – what, what, what the – did West Virginia? I think you go back to Rich Rod. I don't feel like they should hire Rich Rod again if they, if they hear Neil, Neil Brown. Yeah, I mean, still out there. He's still coaching. I mean, we talk about it all the time. Kendall Bryles. I, I just, yeah. I, I think at some point you got to give the guy a chance. At, yeah, and I think he's earned it. I think Kendall Bryles has earned the opportunity to, to not be associated with his dad. Yeah. You know, he's earned that opportunity at this point. He's kind of, you know, he's, he's kept his nose to the grind. He hasn't. <clears throat> You know, people have said a lot of things about him when he was getting hired jobs, but he didn't. You know, he hasn't really responded in that way or anything. Um, One more thing before we go, even though, let's see, uh, Quinn Ewers is out four to six weeks. Uh, I know you didn't watch as much of the, the first part of the Texas game as I did. 
but you did watch a lot of the second half while I was not uh, – I didn't watch that much. They have players now. Like, they have, like, real guys, not, like, internet boosted because they're going to Texas guys, but, like, guys you look at and you're like, wow, this is a guy. Um, Is it – I mean – it's weird because it's Alabama. You're emotionally and so keyed in that you're going to have the game of your life. But did it feel a little different when you watched Texas as compared to years past? Um, no, nah, I mean, I didn't. I never knew what to think of Ewers. I know that he was this top-rated quarterback. I kind of didn't like the way he did things and handled his recruitment. But it didn't take long to realize, man, this ain't freaking um, – you know, one of the friends of the family that got offered <laughs> no. a scholarship at Texas. Like he just, his, this is where I get in arguments with fans and people with the quarterback thing. The ones that are good do not take long. You don't need four years of development with the stud quarterbacks. Like you see it, even when they're bad, they're good. They do things that you're like, all right, maybe they shouldn't have done that, but you see why. They did it. It's it's that Patrick Mahomes effect. It's that Josh Allen effect. They do things that are just not normal. And he he did things that weren't normal. Like he was not afraid of Alabama. Like somebody somebody forgot to tell him they were twenty one point underdogs because he was about to put, open up a can of you know what on them. Like I think if he stays in that game, I think Texas wins the game. I didn't win. Yeah, I don't see how they would lose because they had no answer for him. And I, and I told you, I said that first quarter that he played reminded me of when we saw when we were watching Jameis play at Pitt, where it was just like, oh, okay, this is what the real deal quarterback looks like. Not the, you know, not the, not not the maybe guy. Not that he's kind of. This is what legit NFL top end quarterback prospect. This ain't a fifth year, you know, senior. Like, yeah, I mean, like, I just, it's not complicated when you're this <laughs> no. When you're, when you the greatness shows right away. Yeah. Like, you didn't need to see Trevor Lawrence for more than 10 snaps at Clemson to realize that, yeah, okay, that's yeah. why he's who he is. All right. Yeah, you saw, you saw the guy the year before that took them to the playoffs, and then you saw Trevor, and you're like, all right, <laughs> there, yeah. you may as well just wrap this trophy up. He's winning at least one. Yeah, you're so, like, thanks, thanks, thanks for your participation, Kelly Bryant, but you might <laughs> want to find another, pro, another program to spend your senior year at. Yeah. All right. We're going to come back. We'll come back midweek and we'll talk some more. We'll catch up on the games this past week. I, I saw Louisville. I covered Louisville UCF. We'll talk a little bit about that. And we'll talk a little bit about uh, Miami and A&M. As A&M, oof. I mean, they paid a lot, lost the game, then lost college game day. That was a... Uh, not not a banner week for the uh, Aggies. No, and now I think my and, – and just ugly week. Like, week two was ugly week, and if you survived ugly week, you should be happy. And if you didn't, you're just – I, I think that's the one thing that fans don't understand. It's not easy week in and week it's out. It's hard. To win ball it's games hard. in college football. This isn't, this isn't when, like, Nebraska played, like, Baylor back in the day and it was 63 <laughs> nothing at halftime. Like, Baylor's good now. Like, you yeah. don't, you know, there's no homecoming games now, you know, where you're like, all right, I'm bringing this team. Teams lose on homecoming. They lose exactly. to teams. They lose to teams that they pay a lot of money to, you know? Like, yeah, it's like, as a friend of mine, you know, we both know Miami fans. 
At 3 p.m., he was like, oh, the Canes didn't look good. At 8 p.m., he was like, oh, I thought we looked great this weekend. <laughs> like, hey, they won. You know, 30 to 7. We were good. Listen, nobody's going to remember they were down in the first half. No one. <laughs> exactly. It's going to have they a won. W. Listen, they, they complained all these years of all these prior coaches losing these games. You know, they yeah. won. They won. You, exactly. you win and move on. That's it. So, yeah, we'll hit on ugly week and we'll hit on this week. And uh, what else? Do not leave a grill on top of a car and go into a football game. That I, I learned this week. I didn't see <laughs> like, that, but that's not. You, did you see? Did you hear about that? The not Dolphins a, game? Oh, my God. I don't even want to tell you what I think a stupid, you know, how stupid people are. Yeah. It, it, it was like you looking at that big remote parking lot next to Hard Rock Stadium. You see all these cars. Then you see eight cars that look like they were part of the war in Ukraine because they're just burned down to the chassis. And it was because somebody left a grill on top of the car. And I would assume it was one of those small little grills that's got those little metal legs on. And he was thinking, hey, it'll be fine up here. No, well, yeah, it burned every, it burned eight cars. So what a fucking idiot. Oh, sorry. We're going to have to cut that out. We're going to have to cut that part out. Yeah, that's the way I felt. That's going to be a hell of an insurance claim ticket to write up. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I I think you better just, I I don't know how you explain that. (laughs) I mean, the guy guy at State, the guy at Allstate is going to have a blast with that one. Yeah, that's going to be a new commercial for that one, you know, that one insurance company that's always on the, the disaster guy. Yeah. Hey, I'm, I'm doing a tailgate. I leave a girl on top of the car. Woof. Oh, boy. Anyway. Uh, fun as always, Corey. Man. Fun, yeah, fun time. Justin Otto, our producer. Um, of course, is you, Fish. We can catch everybody at the Fish Podcast at, uh, at Twitter. Um, uh, thanks for all the distribution. FNF Coaches Talk Network, getting us everywhere, even though everybody just basically listens to us on Apple Podcasts. Um, what else? Uh, positive feedback for all of all the coaches that have come on. Rutgers 2-0, Marshall 2-0. Uh, we're doing <laughs> – no longer are we a jinx. You come on, the fish cash, you win. Our yeah. buddy Pete Shinnick undefeated to start the season at West Florida again because he's awesome. And just wins a bunch of games. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so we got it. Florida State, Alex Atkins came on 2-0. and No SI jinx here, man. Yeah, no SI jinx here at all. So but we'll be back uh, later in the week. You have a good start to the week, Mr. Fish. Sounds See good. See you real man. soon. Talk to you later, man. Bye. Bye-bye. Eric Estep here. This episode is brought to you by Forney Industries. Get it done with green. Forney offers a full line of welding and plasma cutting machines, metalworking accessories, and more. For do-it-yourselfers all the way to professional metalworkers, Forney has everything you need for your next project. 
Shop Forney's top-of-the-line products at ForneyIn.com. That's Forney, F-O-R-N-E-Y, Ind, I-N-D.com, or at an authorized Forney dealer near you.